Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode 64 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Dr. Phil Campbell, known to his students and staff, and honestly, to all of us in the school culture and climate community. PC is a veteran educator with a passion for loving kids and motivating educators. His goal is to assist schools in becoming the best learning environment they can possibly be for students to learn and for teachers to teach. His philosophy to accomplish this is simple. Put relationships first, genuinely love and protect one another, and create a sense of family within your school setting. With educational experience as a teacher, coach, athletic director, and principal, PC understands how to overcome obstacles to win for today's youth and educators. PC is a really good friend, somebody I've known for quite some time, and he and I share a background steeped in the Justin's Renaissance philosophy. We're going to have a great conversation around school culture and climate, and we're going to talk about the absolute gold standard, Justin's Renaissance, and more importantly, the Justin's Renaissance Global Conference 2023. Stick around, folks. You don't want to miss it. It's coming at you right after these messages. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Road to Awesome's Executive Leadership Coaching. Hey, superintendents, district-level administrators, I'm talking to you. Right now is the time of year when we're hiring new campus-level administrators to lead our schools. But you've got to ask yourself, how can we ensure that they're going to be successful, that they're going to feel supported, and more importantly, that we're not right back here again next year trying to hire for the same position? This is where executive leadership coaching comes in. Rory Vaden once said, we are uniquely positioned to help the person that we once were. Folks, as a building level principal, my first year, I couldn't get my head above water. I struggled so much. But in my second year, I got to work with an executive leadership coach and it completely transformed who I was. I stopped being a firefighter and I started leading my campus. I felt supported. That's why here at Road to Awesome, we offer executive leadership coaching. I want to have a conversation with you and talk to you about how we can support your new leaders. Let's help them find the clarity and the intentionality that it takes to be a great leader. And more importantly, let's ensure that they feel supported so you're not back at the table a year from now trying to find somebody new. Reach out to roadtoawesome.net hit the contact us button, and let's have a conversation about executive leadership coaching. And now, let's get going with today's episode. All right, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, Dr. Philip Campbell, my good friend. It is really great to see you, PC, man. Thanks for joining me on the show. Absolutely, man. Hey, I'm super stoked, super honored uh, to get the opportunity to spend some time with you. It's always great to catch up with you, man, and just excited uh, again to be a guest on the show. Yeah, 100%. So just real quick, uh, give everybody a quick elevator version, who PC is, uh, you know, what you do, what you're all about, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I worked in education for 16 years. I was a teacher, a coach, athletic director, um, and then I was a principal at a high school a little bit north of Nashville, Tennessee. We used Renaissance on our campus, Jocelyn's Renaissance on our campus, and we just had tremendous success with it in terms of graduation rates and attendance rates and discipline rates and creating a place where 
people looked forward to coming to school and, and people were proud to be a member of our school's community. And so that led me to having the opportunity to do what I do now, which is I work on the Jocelyn's Renaissance education team. And I travel literally all around the world and I work with educators and I work with student leaders on school culture and school climate. And my whole big belief and, and mantra is that every single one of us, every single day, we all want to be seen, we all want to be heard, we all want to be loved. And so what I try to do is to share ideas and tools and resources that equip educators and student leaders with just the knowledge and just some different, again, just, just ideas of how they can make that happen on their campus for every single stakeholder. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you and I are both super passionate about school culture and climate. And so that's what, that's what this conversation is going to be all about. Um, so let's, let's go to, let's go to that, that moment in time at, at Portland high school. I know you didn't say it, but I know which one it is. So, um, before you brought Jocelyn's Renaissance onto the campus, you know, before you went to that first, that first conference, tell me, tell me a little bit about like what that culture was like before you, you started into the, the Jocelyn's Renaissance journey. Yeah, you know, and I think this is kind of a two part. I I can talk a little bit about my school and then I can also talk a little bit about myself. And so I'll I'll start out with the myself portion is that I got into education so that I could coach. Um, I'm I'm a huge baseball guy. That was always my passion. Um, I I played from the time I was five until the time I was 22. Um, And then I coached for, for a number of years. And again, like that was the reason I got into education was because I wanted to coach baseball. And I always say, like, I was your stereotypical coach. Like I did what I had to do in the classroom, um, but I wasn't very good at it by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, I, I look back now and I wish I could go back and like apologize to those kids, you know, because knowing what I know now, you know, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, but around about the time that my son was born, I decided to get out of coaching just because it takes so much time, right? You're on the road, you're out recruiting, you're doing a three game set. And, you know, I didn't want to miss those first steps and first sounds and first words and all those things. And so at that point I became quote unquote, just a teacher. And so that led me into my most recent high school, which was Portland high school, which is right on the the Tennessee Kentucky border on I-65. And um, to say that we had a toxic environment would be putting it mildly. Um, I always tell people like we had fights, all the time. Uh, there was a time that I was breaking up a fight. The kid turned around and tried to fight me. And it just blew my mind, like literally blew my mind. And it was like, what are we going to do as a school? And then from an individual perspective, what am I going to do as an educator? Do I still even want to be an educator? I was teaching a class, Darren, it was called Success 101. And so it was literally uh, all freshmen all day long no curriculum, no book, no nothing. Right. And again, I was a horrible teacher, like a horrible teacher. And, um, and so every day was just this battlefield, right? Like I was out to get them because I was all about rules and structure and discipline and seating charts. Right. And they didn't care anything about it because it was like an elective type class that they had to take. And it was like this perfect storm to the point that I just wanted to quit. Like I just, I just wanted out. Um, but I knew that I couldn't quit during the middle of the school year, right? Cause I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror. And so I was like, I've just got to get through this school year and then I'm going to figure out a different career path. And long story, much shorter, it finally got to a point where I was like, I had tried everything, you know, yelling and reorganizing seating and this and that and the, and none of it worked. 
And so finally, we just kind of had this come to Jesus conversation. Like I can still see it like it was just yesterday. It was my fourth block, which of course is the last block of the day. And it's always the class from you know where, right? And yep. uh, like I can, I can still see those kids' faces like just in my mind. And I just told him, I said, guys, I'm a horrible teacher and I'm sorry. And I want to be better and I want to do better, but I don't know how. I don't know how to relate to you all. I don't know how to connect with you all. And I'm just really, really struggling. And I'm just at the point where I just need you, if you have it in your hearts, to help me, right? And it was this funny thing where in that moment, I opened up my heart and started loving my kids. And this crazy thing happened. They started loving me back. And it was like this light bulb moment. And it was just like, holy cow, like, why didn't I think of this nine years ago, right? Or even nine days yeah. ago, you know? And, and it was this transformation moment in that I don't have to be this disciplined authority figure in the front of the room delivering content and, and in command all the time, right? And so that helped me see I can be more of a facilitator, right? And that's where around about that same time, our Jostens rep, Chad Bone, came in and told our principal at the time about this renaissance thing. And so my principal comes to me and says, you're not doing anything else. You're going to do this renaissance stuff. And I'm like, oh, great, whatever. Latest, greatest, like, you know, programs come oh, yeah. every yeah, single absolutely. year, right? You know, and it's like, okay, here's the latest, greatest thing. We'll do it for a year, maybe two, and then we'll be on to something else. And I was, I was like, whatever. And so Chad was like, listen, you need to go to this renaissance conference this summer. And Darren, I don't know how professional development was for you as an educator, or even sometimes as an administrator, but for me throughout my educational career, most of the time it was awful. Like it was like, it was horrible. Like you're looking around, people are like doing stuff on their phone. They're making grocery lists out. Like so there were times when people were sleeping, like literally I have pictures of some of my colleagues sleeping at the table with me. Right. And so you can imagine he's like, you need to go to this conference. It's in the summer. And I'm like, I am not giving up my summer to go to some dumb conference, right? And right. he was like, listen, it's in Orlando. And Orlando means one thing, Disney World, right? And I was Disney like, okay, World, 100%. We'll, go, we'll go check out Disney and we'll check out this dumb conference while we're down there. And so that's what we did. And like sat in the very back of the room, we sat on the aisle seat, second row from the very back. Like I, I know exactly where it was that, that we were sitting and my jaw just hit the floor, right? Because as you know, it, it's, people dancing it's people singing it's people standing in chairs it's kids on each other's shoulders it is this celebration of what academics are, are all about and what they can be all about right and i can just remember sitting in the back of that room and just like it just like washed over me of i want to be up there right i want to be a part of that i want to be a part of that magic and how can i bring that back to my school and so Again, it, it was that moment in my classroom where I broke down to my kids and said, hey, I'm a horrible teacher. And it was that moment at that conference in Orlando that summer. And those two things together created this spark um, and created this fire that completely transformed not only who I am as an educator, but in a lot of ways who I am as a person and as a human being as well. And I'm just so grateful. Like those were two of the biggest moments in my life as, as I look back on them now. And I'm just so grateful that both of those things took place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just listening to you talk about that uh, brings brings a lot of thoughts back into my head. You know, I, I remember my first conference uh, in 2007 and we knew we had a culture problem and I, I worked at a high school that was a renaissance school. I mean, it was nothing like what what we ultimately did at Rock Springs High, what you guys did at Portland High or so many of the other amazing schools around the country doing this work. But 
I at least knew kind of what it was. You know, we let our kids go five minutes early on a Friday and they got preferred parking and they did some kind of rally thing. I don't know, but we weren't ever invited to it. So I didn't know. But then I go to that conference and yeah, I was same deal. I was sitting way in the back, you know, but, but it wasn't like, you know, I don't want to be here. It was, we got to find something. And you're right. I mean, I was just blown away. It was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, and just like you too, I was like, you know, I want to be up there. You know, I want, I want my kids to be up on the stage during this, during those rallies. And I, I want, I want this feel at my school. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not just show up at the conference and snap your fingers. I mean, there's a whole lot of work that goes into it, but when it does happen, when that culture flips at your school, Man, I'll tell you what, I, I still remember like two or three just like defining moments that, that I could go and stand right in that school today in the exact spot where oh, I remember when this happened. So talk a little bit about just some of the some of the transformation that took place as you started in, in you know, down this down this road, like, I don't know, maybe a defining moment or, you know, one of those just like, you know, wow, when we did this, this started to change everything. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest pieces of it, Darren, and one of the coolest things is when you see groups receive recognition that don't normally receive recognition, right? And all of a sudden they start becoming celebrated just as much as the football players or the basketball players or the baseball players, right? And so one of my personal favorite moments was we were the Panthers. And so our basketball teams always came out to welcome to the jungle, right? And so during one of our pep rallies, I got art students, one from each grade, and they all had an easel and a ceiling tile on the easel in front of their student section. And so we played Welcome to the Jungle, so four minutes, 30 seconds-ish ballpark. And they had four minutes and 30 seconds to speed paint the best Panther head logo that they could paint, right? And so the whole gym's going crazy. They're all cheering for their, for their grade level classmate that's out there and stuff. I'm looking at my seniors painting as I'm walking around and I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that is not a Panther hit. Right. <laughs> but then he get, Like it was crazy. But then he gets finished and he had painted it upside down. And so he takes it and he flips it over and bam, he slams it down on the easel and it was just sick. Right. And the roof is coming off the place for these art students. Right. And still to this day, those ceiling tiles are right outside the art teacher's classroom in, in one of the hallways right there. And so all of a sudden, those art kids who are so unbelievably talented, there's 1,150 kids cheering their heads off for these art students. How often does that happen, right? And when you can create a moment like that for those kids, that's a moment that they'll never forget, right? Because as athletes, there's, there's moments in my life that I'll never forget, right? But most of them are sports related. When people are cheering for you and you get a big hit or you make a big play defensively um, or, or you do those kind of things. But for the kid that maybe isn't blessed athletically, or maybe they're not blessed academically either, right? But they still come to school every day and they contribute to making their school the great place that it is. How can you create those avenues for those kids to receive that recognition and to get that moment in the sun where everybody's clapping for them? Because that's an unbelievable feeling, right? And to me, that's what leadership is all about. And that's what this culture thing is all about, right? It can't be about me. It can never be about me. How can I shine the spotlight on as many different groups of people as possible? And I think when that's your intention and when that's your focus, that's when that magic really, really starts to happen. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's when when we start to really make sure that we're pouring into others. It's incredible what starts to happen. And I love how you talk about that, that, you know, in your case, uh, the art student story. I mean, that's super cool. I've actually never heard you tell that story. So I'm, I'm glad that you shared that one. Um, it, it makes me think of, you know, what, what we started doing, you know, at, at Rock Springs was getting the uh, drum line involved in every one of our rallies, you know, and all of a sudden here are our band kids who don't really get celebrated very often for stuff. And the entire gym, you know, 1400 kids are just going nuts while they're, you know, playing their, you know, their different drumline selections and the kids are all bouncing back and forth and just, I mean, just having an absolute blast. And those kids get to have that spotlight moment. Those, those things are just so powerful, but it isn't just about building those spotlight moments for our kids. Sometimes it's, it's, it's about the adults too. You know, one thing one thing that we tend to forget, or I think that a lot of people tend to forget, you and I don't forget this, is our kids are going to come and go in our schools. And we've got four years to make incredible memories for those kids. But a lot of that, the staffalty, as we, as we refer to them, they're there for the long haul. So they're just as much, if maybe not more important in the culture as, as our kids. So talk a little bit about, about some stuff related to, to staffalty, or maybe even define staffalty for my listeners who don't don't know that word, they should. But hundred percent. So yeah. So staffity is a renaissance term that we use to represent every single adult that works on our campus, right? So the bus drivers, the custodians, the cafeteria staff, our paraprofessionals, our front office secretaries, all the way through the administrators, right? Um, because I always say, like, I can't be the champion for every single kid, right? You can't be the champion for every single kid. And so uh, going back to Portland High School, I had over 50% of my kids that rode the bus to school every day and over 70% that were on free and reduced lunch. And so for a majority of my kids, the first three groups of people they saw every day, bus drivers, that's how they got to school, cafeteria staff to get their free breakfast, and then the custodians who were in there keeping the place clean. So did those three groups of people play an important role in the education of those young people? Absolutely, right? Every single day they do. And so they need to know, they need to feel valued and respected just as much as I am as an administrator, just as much as I am as, as a teacher, right? Because just because I have a piece of paper that says whatever, masters or EDS or EDD on it, doesn't make me any better than anybody else, right? It's all about those, those relationships and those connections. And so from that perspective, how do I make sure that all of my staff members feel recognized and valued, that they all feel seen and heard and loved as well, right? And so I think that's something where, and you know this, Darren, like you have to be very intentional, right, as, as a leader. And, and I say this as a leader, I want people to understand uh, when we're talking about a leader, it doesn't mean that you have to be the principal. It doesn't mean that you have to be the assistant principal. Like you can be a teacher. You, you could be a custodian and be a, you don't need a title to lead. Right. Uh, but it's something that are you someone that people believe in and that they look up to and that they respect and that they can follow, you know. And again, it goes back to that core of relationships and just making the time to get to know people on an individual basis. I always tell teachers, like, if we don't have the same planning period, I never see you. And then when I do, it's just in passing, right? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great too, right? Like the world could be falling down around us, but the answer is we're always right. doing great, right? Um, but so as an administrator in particular, because I have some control over the schedule, how can I intentionally create some time where my staff can get together and just be people? Right. And so maybe it's a staff meeting, but instead of a staff meeting where I'm delivering content, 
it's a banana split party where I bring in a taco truck or a food truck or something. And it's just 45 minutes for them to get to know each other. Maybe it's a staff um, holiday party where I invite everybody to come to my house for the holidays and we do dirty Santa or, or whatever it is you want to do. Maybe it's we have a group outing and we're all going to go to a ball game together, where, you know, depending on what you have in your community or baseball, football, whatever. Maybe we have a staff with a tailgating area for our home football games on Friday nights or for our basketball games. But how can I intentionally create some of these opportunities for my staff members to get to know each other as human beings, not just as colleagues? Because I think that goes a long way um, in, in a, establishing and fostering those relationships. And then something, Darren, that I just love, um, Dr. Joe Sanfilippo, who, who's one of my favorite speakers on the planet, he always says that everybody is somebody's child, whether they're 14, whether they're 24, whether they're 44, whether they're 64, everybody is somebody's child. And every time that he says that, that resonates with me because it makes me think about my mom, right? Because if, if we were live right now and you took this picture and then you posted it on the social media, let, let's say that we were together, both of us together, and we're in um, Arizona. We take a picture together and you say, it was great hanging out with PC today, right? And you tag me in it. My mom is going to see that post. She's going to like that post. She's probably going to comment on it. And then she's going to send me a text message that says, I didn't know you were in Arizona today. Right. Um, but everybody yeah. is somebody's child. And so how easy is it on one of those first staff development days of the school year? I get every staff member to fill out a questionnaire that's asking things like shirt sizes and uh, favorite candy bar, favorite drinks so that I can use those for birthday celebrations, those kind of things and the like. But I also add on, hey, who's somebody that's very important to you? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's an uncle. Everybody has that person in their life that's very important. And then throughout the school year. I just make five minutes and I pick up the phone and I make random phone calls to that special person. And I say, hey, I just want you to know how blessed we are to have Darren here as an administrator on our campus and the things that he does here, the impact that he makes on young lives. And just we are so honored to have him here. Right. Like how easy is it to do something like that? And I think thing, little things like that go a long way in establishing this culture to where, like you're talking about, we have staff members that instead of every two or three years, I'm looking for a different job. Hey, I'm in this for the long haul because I love what this school is all about. I love this brand. I love this identity. And I want to be a part of this for a long time. Absolutely. And it all comes back to relationships. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent what you're talking about, whether we're talking about kids or we're talking about staff will be, if as a leader, again, leader without title doesn't matter what your role is, if you are willing to put yourself out there and build relationships with kids and build relationships with adults, that to me is one of the most important things that any individual can do on a campus to make an impact on culture. You start by building relationships and then incredible ideas like you're just firing off incredible idea after incredible idea. Those things can happen because of relationships. And I know relationships was the most recent addition to the, the Renaissance formula. You know, forever there were there were five R's and now that sixth R is the, is the relationship piece. So maybe just, just talk just a little bit more about the relationship piece and how how you see just that plugging into that formula. Yeah, you know, and I think that it was long overdue, right? Um, adding that sixth R there. And I think it was kind of like that, the unseen or like the invisible. It's kind of like Texas A&M and home of the 12th man, where like relationships has always been the sixth man for, for Renaissance. And it was just yeah. a matter of making it into that formality, right? Um, but I think it's one of those things that 
you know, people won't cheer until they care. They won't care until they feel connected and they won't feel connected until they feel safe and valued. Right. And feeling safe and valued goes back into that relationship piece. And I want to know, do you care about who I am as a person, as an individual? Because it has to start right there. And I think that we have to make a, a concerted effort with that. And I, I think one of the things, and I'm sure you saw this too, Darren, when this pandemic started in March of 2020, what we saw was so many schools struggled all around the world. And at that point, it didn't matter how great your graduation rates were, how great your attendance rates were, how great your ACT, SAT score, all the, none of that stuff, it didn't matter about football records, basketball, none of that mattered. What mattered was, did you have the core foundation of relationships? And the schools that were successful during that time period, especially those first eight, nine, 10 months, the schools that found success were the schools that had that grounded belief and, and established relationships and the schools that really struggled did not. And I think that if there was anything to be learned out of that whole crazy madness thing that we went through, right? It, it was that exactly is that we have got to be people first. And Phil Boyd always says this personal before professional, right? We have got to be people. Yep. And we've got to be human beings before we ever even think about a standard or content or test scores or any of those other things that go along with it. And if you will just start doing that, I always say, you can either teach to the test or you can teach to the heart. But the funny thing is, is that when you teach to the heart, those test scores tend to take care of themselves. And it's the exact same concept. If you will take care of those relationships, the rest of the stuff, I promise you, it will all take care of itself. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You travel all over the world, like you said, and you are in Renaissance schools all the time. And I'm sure that over the, let, let's just say the last, let's just go 12 months. I am certain you have seen some unbelievably cool things, some amazing ways that that schools are really shining the spotlight on the great things that kids are doing and some great things that the staffily are doing. So maybe share, I don't know, two or three of like your absolute favorite things that you've seen I don't know, within the last year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind, I was at Arapahoe Butler High School in Oklahoma. Um, small school. I don't know what the population is off the top of my head, but like really, really small. It's like a, the one building per K through 12, like one, one of those kind of schools and one of those kind of communities. Everybody knows each other, right? And just as you know, when you walk onto a campus, it takes about 30 seconds, if that, and there's a vibe right? There's a feel. And you can tell if they get it, if they don't get it, if they're somewhere in between, like you can just tell by what, what's on the walls, the ways that you're greeted. Um, how do students interact when you say hi to them, just randomly walking down the hallway, right? Those kind of things. And so Arapahoe Butler, it's one of the most special schools that I've ever stepped foot in just because like the dynamic there, it was like so warm and so welcoming and so inviting. And so I was working with our student leaders. And one of the questions that I always ask is, what does it mean to be a member of your school's community, right? What does it mean to be a warrior or a patriot or a bobcat? And that's a question that a lot of schools struggle with because a lot of them, it, it gets into their brand, gets into their identity piece, right? Right. But this young lady, she's a junior, 17 years old. And she says that it, what it means to be a member of their school's community is that we do everything at a high level. 
We do academics at a high level. We do athletics at a high level. We do discipline. We do everything that we do, we do it at a high level. And I just love the way that she said it and that she framed it. And what I love the most about this was that a week later, after I'd been at that school, I see a post on Facebook that had gone viral. And they had gone, they had a basketball game on the road. And at the end of sporting events, and this drives me absolutely insane at all levels, but when people get done at sporting events, and I don't know where this came from, where people get this idea, but people love to leave their trash, right? It doesn't matter if you're at the high school game, if you're at the middle school game, if you're at a college game, if you're at a professional game, people leave their nacho trays and their cups and this and that, whatever. Arapo Butler went on the road and they made time afterwards, not just the students, the athletes as well, the coaches, the parents, the adult supporters, they cleaned up that entire gym to where it was spotless. They left it in a better shape than what it was when they got in there, right? And an opposing coach had noticed that and made this post about it. And it was just like, that's leadership, right? Like, like that's a culture that you want to be, that I want to be a part of, right? I want my son to be a part of that. Like how, like how cool is that? Um, so, so that really stands out to me. It was like that feeling, that vibe. And it wasn't just like talk from the administrators, right? This was the kids leading the way. And I thought that that was just an awesome, awesome thing. Um, but then from there, you know, you see so many cool things. I was at a school uh, in Amarillo, Texas here not too long ago, and they've got a wall of fame. And so one of the people on their wall of fame is a guy named Aaron Watson, um, who's a Texas uh, singer songwriter. And so he's still very involved with the school and so their baseball team made the state tournament last year and so aaron came back and did a free concert for them and i'm just like how cool is that like right again like that's that community feel to where they're still being intentional about keeping their alumni plugged in because like that guy's a big deal like a big deal um but he's still connected enough to where he's going to come back and he's going to do something like that you think about schools like northwest high school in jackson michigan and what they've done on their campus in terms of just transforming uh, the culture from the branding perspective, right? With the murals, they have a giant mural. I'll have to get a picture of it um, from the lady's name is Marnie Hayde there. She's the yearbook advisor and just an absolute rock star. But, but she's just taking this whole Renaissance concept and just run with it, right? And so they have this giant mural on the outside of their building that celebrates the arts, right? Celebrates their band kids, celebrate those fine art kids, right? And again, like how often do you see something like that? And, and so it's just, it's things like that to where a lot of schools have become so much more intentional about celebrating, not just the athletes, right? And you're the same way as I, we both love sports, right? I was an athlete, like I love athletics, but as our buddy Steve Wolf always says, if you had two tables and one table has all of your sports recognition stuff on it, and one table has all of your academic recognition stuff on it, which one's going to have more stuff, right? And almost every single time it's the athletic table. And we don't want to take things off the athletic table. What we want to do is put more things on that academic table. And so that, to me, that's what's what's so cool to see at schools that we get to visit all around the world. And, you know, when, when schools embrace and just just go all in and fall in love with that Jocelyn's Renaissance philosophy, that's what you start to see. You know, I mean, I've been in schools all over the place, too, you know, some that, that are Renaissance schools, some that aren't. Um, I, I find it interesting. You know, we, we see murals now. That's become like a big thing. People do murals in their schools. And I love to ask people, you know, tell me the story behind the mural. 
And, you know, usually it's, it's something to do with, you know, something in their community or something that they value in their school. And that's what those murals should do. Occasionally, um, I'll, I'll run into somebody and they're like, oh, we saw this on Facebook and we thought it was really cool. And I'm like, then it's just paint. It's not your story. You know, the, the thing about the murals that I think is just so critical is, you know, make sure that it tells your story. And, and I'm sure that that one that you mentioned with the fine and performing arts, uh, you know, celebrating that group, a hundred percent tells their story. And that's, I think that's just so critical. So, so, so let's do this. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, the Justin's Renaissance conference. I mean, we kind of, we kind of talked about that at the very beginning as we were kind of kicking it off, but it's an every year event. It's not just a national conference anymore. It is a global conference and it's coming up again this summer. Let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, man, we're, um, beyond excited to be in Dallas, Texas this summer. Um, it'll be July the 13th through the 15th with our Leadership Academy taking place on July the 12th. And I, I said this even before I became a member of the Jocelyn's Renaissance team. It is the single greatest educational conference on the planet, and it's not even close. Um, and it's one of those things, again, where if I hadn't gone for the very first time, I wouldn't be sitting here right now, right? Like we wouldn't be having this conversation mm-hmm. right now. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't get to do the things that I do. Um, it completely transformed my entire life. And so we're, we're so excited um, to get down there. We've sold out the last two, two excuse me, um, in-person conferences. And so we're very confident that this one's going to sell out probably even faster than, than these last two, just because of the location. And we have a huge presence there in the Texas, Oklahoma area. Um, so it's going to be very feasible for a lot of those schools to bring a lot of kids. So we want to make sure that you get registered for that early. Um, registration opens in early March. And um, again, it's one of those things, if you've never been to it before, I always say it only takes once. And you go to this thing one yeah. time and it's just this magic, right? It's this, it's this magical oh, yeah. feeling of like, man, I want more. How can I put this in a bottle and take this back to my school and replicate this thing, right? So um, yeah. super stoked to see you down there and, and hopefully some, yeah. some of your listeners will come as well. Yeah, absolutely. I will tell you, I'm going to echo what you said. It is absolutely without question the greatest education conference on the planet. And I go to a lot of really awesome ones, and that's not a slight on any of them. This is something special. This is unique. It's different in so many ways. I mean, you mentioned, you know, kids, you know, not a lot of conferences do you go to where the kids outnumber the adults. And it's it's always really close uh, at the conference. I know every year there's this tremendous number of people who have been coming, you know, or who are coming for the very first time. Um, man, the and I'm getting like stoked just sitting here talking about it because it is, it's just man, the energy is unbelievable. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, folks, check that out. I will put all the links in the show notes so you can get in there. Um, register early because PC's right. It This thing will sell out and you're going to be left on the outside and you don't want to miss this. And this is, I think, not the first time it's been in Texas, but the first time in a very long time that Renaissance has returned to Texas. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. And obviously hot, but like, well, yeah, we'll get through it, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, maybe we uh, we just won't have the torrential, you know, afternoon downpour that we get every year uh, when we're in when we're in Orlando. We'll just it'll just right. be hot. We'll deal with that. Exactly. That'll be all right. Exactly. So, awesome. So so uh, let me let me ask the last question. You know, the one I ask everybody here on of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast um, right now, PC. How are you leaning into leadership? You know, I love that question, and I think it's one of those things as educators that we we harp on with our kids is about lifelong learners, right? 
and, and that the learning process never stops. But I think that sometimes as educators, we get so busy with all the things that we have to do, you know, in the classrooms and in the offices and all that kind of stuff that we kind of lose sight of that ourselves. And so I think you have to be very intentional about continuing your journey of, of growth and of learning. And I think that like, obviously stating the obvious here, like our kids are evolving all the time. It's just nonstop. Like there's different apps, there's different, this, there's different, you know, and as a parent, you see that, but as an educator, you see it as well. And so I think first and foremost is that, you have to be intentional about staying up to date with what's going on in the lives of young people, right? What are, what are the cool things? What are the cool, you know, pop culture, right? And that doesn't mean that you have to like, like pop culture by any stretch of the imagination, but you do need to be familiar with it enough to where, you know, a little bit of the jargon and, and you can, you can talk to it and you can speak to it and you can relate to it and you can have some conversations, right? Cause again, going back to that relationship piece, our kids aren't going to come to us. We've got to be able to adapt to them, right? Um, so I think that's something that I always try to stay in touch with. And I think a big part for me, just in terms of like my own personal development and growth, and this is a, a li- literally a lifelong thing, is just being a better listener, right? Like so, so often, so, you know, people, and I'm guilty of it too, we listen to reply instead of listening to understand. And so I've tried to be much more intentional about asking questions and then listening. Right. And then really taking some time to process, not only in the moment, but then when the moment's over. Right. And so you've got the car ride from the school to the airport or, you know, before you go to bed at night and just kind of processing some of those conversations of was that the way that that conversation went? And did I really hear everything that they were trying to communicate to me? Right. I think I think that's a big part of leadership is understanding that it's not always about your ideas and your opinions but it's about hearing the needs and the voices of other people and then being able to do things that help to put them in a position to be successful. And so for me, that, that's where I'm at is, like I said, number one, staying in touch with youth and, and what's going on in their world. And then two is those listening skills and just trying to continue to become a better listener. Awesome, man. I love that answer. So uh, people are going to want to get in touch with you. They're going to want to learn, learn more about you. How do they get in touch with you, social media, those types of things? How do they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on social media at Dr. Phil Campbell is my handle across all the platforms. Um, and then my website is drphilcampbell.com. And yeah, anytime anybody wants to connect, I always love meeting new people and, and hearing new ideas and any of those kind of things. So yeah, we'd love to connect with some of your listeners. Awesome. And I'll put all of all of those links will go in the bottom of the show notes. Uh, so you have an opportunity to catch up with PC. Um, my friend, as always, great to connect with you. Great to spend some time with you. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. You're doing big things in the world of education and the world of leadership. And uh, it's just an honor to call you a friend and an honor to get to be on the show here, man. And I can't wait to get to see you in person here again, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely, man. 100%. Oh, man, that was just so good. Thank you again so much, PC, for being on the show. Uh, what a fantastic conversation. And I'm going to be straight with you, folks. Jocelyn's Renaissance is magic. It truly is. I've seen it happen in multiple schools. It's been a huge part of my life. It's changed me. Just like PC, it changed me not only as an educator and as a leader, but it changed me as a husband, as a father, and as a human being. It's all about what are you looking for? And with the Jocelyn's Renaissance Magic, 
you're looking for those positive things. You're creating spaces where teachers can teach and students can learn and people feel like they're part of something special. I put a link in the show notes for the Jocelyn's Renaissance Conference. Click on that link. Folks, you will not regret it. Go check it out. This conference will sell out fast. With this episode dropping when it is dropping, I can tell you they have already pre-registered over 400 people for this conference. So get after it because before you know it, the spots will be gone. Thanks again, PC, for being on the show. And now it's time for a pep talk. I had an amazing conversation earlier today with one of my former athletes. She is now an assistant principal at the elementary level. And as we wrapped up our conversation, she said, Pep, tell me one thing, one thing that's like the biggest bang for my buck as I finish the school year. What do I do? What do I pour into? And I told her simply, pour into your staff. Pour into your staff. Folks, that's what we need to be doing right now. Build the trust, build the relationships, and build that love that exists and needs to exist on those campuses that truly have great culture and climate. Go spend time in your teacher's classrooms when they don't have kids. Go spend time in the hallways with your students. Go spend time on recess with your kids if you're an elementary principal or an elementary assistant principal. But pour into your people right now. That investment is going to make such an incredible difference in the long run. I mean, just like PC said during today's episode, you know, you you can do all kinds of things to focus on test scores and data and all that kind of stuff. But if you pour into the relationships, man, all the rest of that stuff takes care of itself. Those are my thoughts. Take them for what they're worth. Thank you for joining me this week on Leaning Into Leadership. Get out there. Have a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.